You're listening to Retail Disrupted, a podcast that explores the latest industry developments and the trends that will shape how we shop in the future. I'm your host, Natalie Berg. I have a very special guest for you on the podcast today. I am going to be speaking to the one and only Theo Pafidis. Theo is the chairman and owner of Ryman, Robert Dias, Boo Avenue, and London Graphic Center. He's also been a TV dragon, and he is the creator of Small Business Sunday, now one of the largest small business communities in the UK. The interview I'm sharing with you was recorded live at Spring Fair in Birmingham last week. Now, unfortunately, when doing these things live, technology doesn't always comply, and we lost almost all of my audio. So I know you're here for Theo's commentary more than mine, so you know, hopefully it shouldn't affect things too much, but I just wanted to give you a heads up because today's episode is going to sound a little bit different. It was genuinely such an honor to host this session, so a huge thank you to Theo and his team for the opportunity, and For all of the retailers that are listening, if there's one thing I'd like you to take away from this conversation, it's this. You need to have a reason to exist. You've got to know what your strengths are. You've got to know how you differentiate from your rivals. And then you've got to execute really well. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Theo. I think... When the digital world came, the web, and we went away from dial-up modems where you could actually access the web and smartphones were able to do it, the world changed. Changed for retail. And I remember uh, talking at a conference 20-odd years ago and saying, and there's a whole lot of retailers, and I said to everybody, if you lost 15, 20% of your turnover overnight, how many of you would be profitable? And no one put their hand up. Because the infrastructure costs and the way everybody was geared up was to sell through their stores. And I said, well, the reality is we're all going to lose that much of our turnover from our stores. So our cost bases are going to be key here. The cost bases of chains of, of retailers, uh, rent, rates, staff, backroom teams, the buying teams, the marketing teams. Um, that has got so, so expensive. And of course, on, online retail doesn't have to pay the same cost base as physical retail. Now you might say, well, Theo, well, that's the way of the world. It's survival of the fittest, my old son. And there's uh, a strong argument there. But there's also a strong argument that says everybody should be competing on a level playing field. At the moment, that doesn't exist, which is why you're seeing so many physical stores shutting down. But if I can pick out somebody who's doing well at the moment and continues to do well and has got a business model that's not set in stone but is an evolving business model that adapts to the way the consumer wants to be served, and that's next. Mm. I mean, that next is one of those big organizations in retail that could have gone 
exactly the same way as everybody else that's gone. But it hasn't. It's prospered because it's changed its business model. And it very quickly, and it did have an advantage because it had the catalogue. So the whole infrastructure and logistics and systems are brilliant. And that's been the difference about a really successful retailer and then some of the ones that we've known and loved, British Home Stores we've talked about uh, in the past, uh, Debenhams we've talked about, lots of the brands that have disappeared. They didn't adapt to that joint way of retailing, which you have, if you're a physical retailer, you must work closely with the, the digital side of the economy. Fact. Theo and I talked a little bit more about some of the traits of successful retailers, which were things like agility, resilience, innovation, and the democratization of tech, and also the convergence of physical and digital commerce. This then brought us nicely onto the topic of Ryman's new mobile app. Uh, Ryman just launched its its first ever mobile app. You know, it's a 139-year-old brand. It's the first time that moving into this uh, digital space. So I think that in itself is really interesting. You know, how do we take these heritage brands and bring them into the 21st century? It was also interesting to get Theo's wider thoughts on the app and what they're trying to achieve. The aim is to disrupt the online greeting card sector. So a shopper can click into the app and choose from thousands of card designs, personalize a card, and then instead of waiting for it to be sent to their house or directly to the recipient, they can choose to collect it in store, which again is more convenient for a lot of people. So I, I found it really fascinating to get Theo's thoughts on how they're looking to their stores as assets in this digital era. And again, you know, just utilizing the best of physical and digital to elevate that customer experience. So here are Theo's thoughts on the new mobile app from Ryman. We had to put Wi-Fi in the store so people could actually download in the store should they wish and download the app design it in the store if they wish but the fact that we could print your card out there and then and you can pop into the store once a couple of minutes pick it up you don't have to pay because you've already paid on your phone and it was a fact of then entering a market which is massively competitive born out of the digital age which is personalized cards and link it in with the service of a 130 year old service industry in the high street so we're very excited about that and it's early days it's only a few days but we are very excited with the outcome you know your mcdonald's and coffee delivered to your door and that's fine but what we do know is that we have to have a reason to exist and that's something we all have to keep asking ourselves why do we exist why does our physical store exist why is somebody other than it's our store going to come into uh, our store and we do have to accept that the customer's changing and the digital world is here to stay and is evolving, but our stores are assets. And when we talk about greeting cards, for me, it's fabulous because it's a consumable product, so people use it, and it's a repeat purchase, so they can come again. They come into my store. They might see something else they like to buy at the same time. Theo and I then moved on to talk about business rates and rents and whether landlords have woken up to the many changes 
facing our high streets. You've got a store and it's worth £20,000 a year in rent, right? The landlord wants £20,000. If you don't pay him twenty or her or them or corporates £20,000, there is obviously somebody else out there that will. So that's the value of that store. So that landlord doesn't have to wake up at all. We've got to wake up and see whether our business can afford to survive in there. Now, where that changes is not in the rent because I can tell you with 350-odd stores, most of them are leasehold and we have landlords, we've seen huge decreases in rents. All the retailers I know have and have got decreases as we have leases coming up for renewal. There is one particular organisation we can't negotiate with, and that's the local authority on business rates. And that is what's comical. So they can say to you, we want X in business rates, even though your rent is half what they're valuing it at. It doesn't make any sense. You can't negotiate with them. So your only option is to shut down. Whereas you can say to the landlord, if you don't, pay, if you don't agree with me on that rental, I'm going to shut the shop. And the, and the landlord knows what that shop is worth. And if they can't get any more from someone else, they say, okay, fine, you can stay because that's the right rent. Whereas the local authority says, no, you shut that shop or otherwise I'm going to bankrupt you. Theo and I then talked about how the majority of businesses fail within the first couple of years. I asked him how business owners can avoid becoming a statistic and also to discuss some of the challenges of running your own business. I think everyone would like to succeed first time round. Yes, but the reality is you won't, as you quite rightly point out. Most, over 50% of businesses fail in the first two years. That's a terrible statistic. And that is because, I mean, we don't deserve to survive in fairness, but it shows how resilient an entrepreneur is. But that statistic is terrible. And it's terrible because it's educational. And we, we haven't done our homework. We're, we've got all that enthusiasm, that passion, that desire but we just haven't done our homework. How many times have you guys watched programs like Dragon's Den and somebody goes up? Those are the things that have got to be covered. And I know there's a lot more of it. We talked about NatWest accelerators. There's a lot, lot more out there now than there ever was before. Programs like Dragon's Den do educate, that do show people what to do. Business is simple as long as you do the simple things and must never forget to do them. And those statistics are appalling. But saying that, 50% fail. Well, what people don't celebrate is a lot of those people go on and be successful in another business. Not everybody throws a towel in. Mm. But it'd be nice not to fail first time. Mm. It's painful. But if you're going to fail, fail fast. Fast. Right? Yeah. Really fast. So you learn from those things. But the, you mentioned it earlier, there's learnings that go on the way. Just make sure that where you are learning, that you're not betting the farm. Because the betting the farm is what makes it fatal. And so never bet the farm. Understand the risk-reward ratios. And I think that's the biggest lesson I learned very, very quickly on these things. Mm. Final few questions, Theo, and I want to look to the future. So it's 2034. Just how different do you think retail will be? I think exponentially it will be very different. There'll be things... In 10 years' time, 
there'll be things invented that every person in this room will use, be using, that we haven't even thought about today. I, I often talked about how technology exponentially grows. So when you had the first microchip, it was 1K. Then 1K became 2K. 2K became 4. 4 became 8, 8, 16, 32, 64. You can all do the maths. Then we went into megs. Megs did the same. Then terabytes have done the same. It's exponential. But AI is just trying to bomb into that exponential growth. That it's now not just exponential, it's a complete growth. So lots of things will happen. Even if you've only got one a website or you've got one store on a website, there's tools out there that you can use yourself. You don't have to employ a whole raft of geeks to do that. But you've got to have an open mind. Exponential change, yeah. but do you think that the fundamental rules of retailing will remain the same? So at the end of the day, does it still boil down to having a good product at a good price, you know, good service, convenience? Are those sort of key pillars of retail, will they remain despite all of the, the broader kind of tech changes that we're seeing? I think they'll remain, but I, I, I think they'll, you'll be apportioning different values mm. to those pillars. And it will be customers are becoming very, very individual. There's lots of technology that will change, but individual personalization of customers' needs are key. And only people can deal with that in the delivery of it. Machines are one thing, but I think humanity will deliver that. Because that's an emotion. Yeah, so interesting, that kind of real-time hyper-personalization. It definitely feels like that's the way that the industry is, is moving. Theo, it's been such a privilege having you here with us today, so thank you very much. Pleasure, thoroughly enjoyed it, thank you. Thank you for listening to Retail Disrupted. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, please leave a rating or review, or share it with others. It really makes a difference. 